It's a happy Friday most places, and I don't know if Jacksonville is one of them. This is Tony Wiggins with your Jacksonville Jaguars report here on Locked on Jaguars. The Jaguars fan base continues to show the disgust on social media with the fact that Shah Khan did not make wholesale changes in the front office. Jaguar fans really, uh, if you could really poll them, it seems like it's pretty unanimous that what they wanted was Dave Caldwell removed and maybe, maybe keep Doug Marone with a new general manager as long as Doug Marone changes his staff. Fans don't always get their way, as you can see here in Jacksonville. However, um, I want to give them the opportunity to try to do some things differently and present some different ideas and different ways of doing business. I think they have to. I think there's a mandate and an edict that they really, really need to do things differently in order to achieve different results. Because we all know what the definition of insanity is. And over the last seven years, that's pretty much what Jacksonville has done. So we'll just have to wait and see and give them the benefit of the doubt that they have not earned. I will give, uh, and they know that. They know that they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt um, to be able to ask fans uh, to be more patient. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the possibility of non-renewals. I've heard a lot of people say that they're not going to renew their season tickets, but what they're going to do is they're going to take it game by game. If they want to travel to a game, they'll buy tickets, or they'll see if the Jaguars offer three-game block tickets. Uh, they want absolutely nothing to do with preseason tickets, and that's been a debate and an argument for a long time around here anyway, that the fans just absolutely want nothing, nothing to do with buying preseason tickets. They think it's an absolute waste of time. In fact, uh, even because of all of the viability that's involved with the game going to London every year, these fans would lose their absolute mind if more than one game, more than one regular season game, would be going to London because it seems like they always take a marquee game or a game that people would really be interested in seeing here in Jacksonville and making it that London game. Um, uh, but the preseason, those are no go. So I, I don't believe that they're going to get uh, any any sort of uptick in season tickets, uh, regardless of who they draft or regardless of who they sign in free agency, um, because the fans do the fans the confidence that the fans have in the team right now is at a, at a little bit of a low. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a little bit. That's an understatement. It's at a low, but also it's just that they you know they feel like they've been getting robbed in these preseason games because last year the Jaguars made the choice that they weren't going to play guys at all uh, with the exception of about one quarter before the uh, third pre during the third preseason game. The Jaguars weren't playing anybody in preseason. And as it turns out, it was a whole bunch of Gardner Minshew. And if fans would have known and could have looked at, 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 at if you know, if hindsight was twenty twenty. Fans would have gone to those games more because Gardner Mitchell ended up being the main attraction during the regular season for this football team. So, um, you know, we'll see as we get closer to the regular season or as we get through free agency and as we get through uh, the draft, there's going to be an obviously a swing to a level of enthusiasm that's higher than it is now. But this fan base has been beaten down so much, man. I doubt very seriously if it gets back to the levels that it had been before. 
NFL fans love the NFL. NFL fans love their team. But coming into this season, there was supposed to be a lot of enthusiasm. Kansas City rolled in there. The Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and that high-powered offense and Tyreek Hill rolled into this, uh, this place. And the Chiefs fans who travel well really, really packed that place out with about 20,000 people. And then the stadium still wasn't full, and a lot of people attributed that to the heat. But if it's game one, you expect that the Jack fans will show up and show out, and it didn't necessarily happen. It also didn't happen when Gardner Minshew was renamed the starting quarterback. I think the last game of the season had a little bit of a uh, us-against-them type feel in the crowd, which was announced in the 50-some-odd thousands was a little bit better than most of us expected. But it's yet to be seen how much any of this stuff that happens in the offseason will impact the Jaguars fan base because the, right now they're at an all-time low and the Jaguars have no one to blame but themselves. All right, so I put the call out on social media for people to send me some questions since I spent the first five minutes today talking about the fans. I don't have to talk about them. I'm going to let them answer some questions for you guys. Well, ask them, ask some questions for you guys. I got a bunch of them lined up, and I'm going to answer them as best as I can, and we'll do that on this Locked On Jaguars podcast on a Friday in just one second. If you guys want to make you some scratch, man, I know the season hasn't gone the way that you wanted it to go, but you can still make you some money, man, because of the playoffs and because of NBA if you go to mybookie.ag. That's right, mybookie.ag is the place where I go. It's the only trusted website that I use to make my bets and win my money when I combine my football knowledge with my passion with just a few dollars. Right now, mybookie, if you visit mybookie.ag, you can join right now and mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That's right. It means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in your account of free money to play with. That's right. You just have to use the promo code locked on. That's right. The promo code is locked on to activate the offer. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Visit mybookie.ag today and use the promo code locked on for your offer to be activated. And my book is the place where you play, you win, and of course, you get paid. All right, man, so uh, we're going to get into this Fan Friday uh, edition of uh, Locked on Jaguars. And I uh, reached out and told people on social media, and you can find me at Shop Talking Wig on social media, on Twitter. And I asked these questions. I just told fans, hey, man, give me, you know, give me some questions since you guys are, are the ones that are, are bearing the brunt of all of this misery that has been placed on you by this football team and this organization. And now you have to understand and deal with the fact that they're not going to make wholesale changes. And that's the one thing that would have given you guys uh, a lot of enthusiasm. Um, you know, what gives? What gives? I'm going to go with one that I refuse to answer because I don't know, but at least... Uh, sent to my man Chris Wall at Chris Wall 914. He was, you know, kind enough to be the first person to respond. So I will uh, at least 
explain why I, I won't answer the question. So uh, here's the question. It's, have we heard any more about Telvin? Is he coming back? Is he in trouble after the police activity at his house? I have JSO friends, and from what I hear, it's not looking good for him, but it's not being talked about. Love to have him back. A lot of people would love to have Telvin back, but the truth of the matter is there hasn't been any official release on uh, what his legal problems are, if he has any at all. And, uh, in fact, uh, they hadn't even, uh, I hadn't even heard any information about him being arrested. Of course, there was a lot of speculation on what was going on and, and what was happening. We don't do that here. You know, there, there's, there's this libel thing. You know, we can't just sling out, uh, you know, a whole bunch of information that may or may not be true about someone and about their life and about their character. But in my dealings with Telvin, he's always been a stand-up dude with me personally. Um, but that being said, I do not know what's going on with him. I do not know what's going on with his legal situation. And uh, I'll leave it at that. That's pretty much it. I do not know. I do not have enough information um, to know if Telvin uh, is in a better situation now than he was uh, a couple of months ago. I have no clue. Um, my man, democracy in the workplace. You already know who that is, man. That's my guy. Um, that's Chris Westside, Jax. Um, it's Caldwell buying the groceries and Marone cooking the food now, similar to Bethel choosing who was brought in into the team and Gibbs choosing who stays. That, uh, it, the, his question was about, it referenced the old, uh, the old system that Bobby Bether and Joe Gibbs had in Washington, where Bether chose who came to the team, and Joe Gibbs says he always chose who stayed. I don't know if it's that defined here, but uh, when that question was asked of both Dave and Doug the other day at the press conference, um, it was it was just like, hey, we're just going to work together. Uh, uh, basically, uh, it, it seems like in the past, you, if you heard Marone, you could, you could read the tea leaves. Well, Marone used to always say he has nothing to do with personnel. He just coaches the guys that are there. And it was always weird that he made sure to point that out. Um, he, and he never did it with a bunch of speculation. He always did it with what the facts were. Um, I did hear at the end of the year that there was a little bit of a dust-up about who Marone was going to play at quarterback and uh, I kind of had that verified with someone that heard something similar, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it was totally true. But, uh, I, you know, the, the way that it seems like they're going to do things now is that the coach will talk to the GM about maybe what he needs and, and hey, this is what's going on and uh, we're short in these areas and, and this area could be improved. Can you go out and find somebody? Instead of the GM just kind of doing it on his own and reporting to the senior vice president and then the coach reporting to the senior vice president, and it sounds like there was a little bit of a disconnect between the scouting department and the coaches uh, because everyone had to report to one person. So uh, really, really seems like a really, really weird setup. Um, and... Uh, that, that was probably not as weird as, or as disconnected as we think it was, except for the fact that there was bad communication. 
And uh, I don't care what kind of structure you have, whenever you have bad communication, you're going to get bad uh, results. I will take uh, a quick time out here uh, for you to adjust, get you something to drink for me to clear my throat a little bit because I have a bit of a cold that is killing me right now. And um, as soon as I pause for this cause, I'm going to ask some more, a lot more of these fan uh, Friday, fan mail Friday questions. Now, to do that on this Friday episode of Locked on Jaguars in just a second. All right. I have another question here on the uh, Fan Mail Friday. It's from Jags Tyhard. If you look at it on Twitter, it says this Jaguars, this is a Jaguars draft talk account. Their question is about Cam Robinson. Would Cam have the skill set to move to left guard? I never overplay my stroke when it comes to talking about offensive linemen and what they do and what they don't do. Well, because I, I, I really, really, I, don't, I can only do what they call easy scouting when it comes to offensive linemen. I just don't really, I can't really dig that deep. I can just tell you who I think is better than the other player. I just, I can't really dig that deep unless it's the obvious stuff like pass protection on the outside and, and all of that stuff where that guy looks like he shows enough strength. But I asked Cam Robinson his rookie year. Had he ever played, this is when they had Brandon Albert here, so I was trying to figure out how the Jaguars were going to get the best players on the field. I asked him, had he ever played left guard? He said no. So he's never done it. So I don't even know if he knows if he can play left tackle or not. So that's, uh, I mean, left guard or not. There are some people that think he'll be a better guard than a tackle, uh, you know, because he'll be in a shorter space and people won't have enough time to run up on him. And then what he'll be able to do is just use his strength in a, in a shorter situation. Whatever he plays and whatever he does, I think he'll be better at it next year than he was this year um, because he'll be uh, two years removed from ACL. But the bottom line is, is even that might not be good enough, so uh, we have no clue. My man J-Ran, hashtag Duval Till We Die, DTW. D, it's at J underscore Rand 85, says Khan has put DC and DM, you know who that is, in another win now mode, which means dumb moves will be made again. What's the most Jaguars thing you can see the DC doing with the two first round picks due to desperation? Good question. If you heard the precedent of the day, one of the last two questions, and I was given the microphone for the last two questions. One of them that I asked uh, Dave is how do you balance out doing what's best for the organization long term or versus drafting guys that will have to give you immediate impact right now because you, you basically have an edict that you need to show uh, better results and you need to do it quickly. Well, um, his answer was that's up to him to make sure he balances that out where he wants to give Dave, uh, I'm sorry, Doug, everything he needs in order to have immediate success. The ideal thing is, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but the ideal thing is is that you can do both. You do what's best for the team, and that also lines up and jives with uh, immediate help. Now, 
by picking so early, especially with the ninth pick, doing what's best for the team and immediate help should coincide uh, and should exist and, and not be binary and not be mutually exclusive because when you're taking a player that high, he's supposed to be a good player who can come in and help you right away, even though it might not be in a position that you may need at the moment. The, the thing with the Jaguars is they could use a player at every single position on the football field with the exception of pass rusher. And even in that case, you can never have too many of those guys. So it kind of depends on what they do schematically uh, to determine uh, the value, the immediate and the long-term value of whoever they pick. Uh, that's a great question, by the way. Uh, really, really good question. All right, the next question is my man Matt Curley, Matt Curley at Matt Curley Riser. Does Doug's decision to keep or fire Flip as the OC tell us who Doug really wants at quarterback? Flip's resume is full of pocket passes and not one quarterback with Minshew's skill set. If 15 is the main man, how can Flip really plan schematically to accentuate 15's skill set with zero experience doing so? I disagree with you because you could have said that about Flip a while back. You can't say that he doesn't have the experience to scheme up and help accentuate Minshew's skill set now because guess what? He just had 10 games doing it. So he does have the experience now. And because you're so enthusiastic about Minshew means that part of that reason is because uh, Flip actually did do things that allowed Gardner Minshew to be successful. Uh, that's why he was Rookie of the, of the Week seven times this year because that's why you guys are so enthusiastic about him is because uh, he was put in a position uh, to do things um, to do things that accentuates his ability. So I'll give Flip credit with that. Uh, I'll give Flip credit with that. Though, but I do think this, though, to answer the question in, in a different way, I think Doug's decision to move on from Flip or to get a new quarterback – uh, coach or offensive coordinator and who he might decide to get might hinge on the fact that they seem to be at least sold on giving Gardner Minshew a shot at being the starting quarterback going forward. I don't think the GM and the coach are going to go out, bring in an offensive coordinator and allow the offensive coordinator to dictate who they're going to play a quarterback in terms of uh, whether they go out and add another one in the draft or whether the offensive coordinator says, I can't win with either one of them. Uh, I think they both believe you can win with them. And I even asked Doug that question. I tried to get him to say who's going to be uh, the, uh, the starting quarterback. He, he says he feels like he can win with both of them. So obviously whoever takes that job is going to have to believe that you can win with both quarterbacks. Whether or not that's true is yet to be seen, but uh, and maybe that leads to them not making a switch. And maybe if somebody comes in and says, you know, I kind of want my own guy a little bit, um, then that's a that's a no-go. That's something that a head coach does. That's not something that an offensive coordinator does. So that might hinder them in, in being able to move on and move forward from what they want to do. Um, I, I say fix the offensive line and get some more weapons, get another – dynamic running back who can make plays out of the backfield and get under maybe a number one wide receiver. And then, uh, then Minshew will have the opportunity to show you and tell you everything about him himself. All right. Mike McDaniel at Mike at McDaniel's Island. 
asks, is there any realistic hope that we get a new defensive coordinator this offseason? We'd love to see us convert to a 3-4. But anything new that doesn't give up 200 yards rushing every other game would be acceptable. I think that's the hope for most people. One of those people that I've mentioned is Rex Ryan. Uh, and someone like that, uh, I, I, you know, I thought if they made a move at head coach, they ought to consider Mike Patton and that he may bring Rex Ryan in. Another disciple of Rex Ryan that I've heard is Jim Leonard from Wisconsin. Um, that would that would be a, a good, you know, addition. Uh, because, you know, anybody from that tree that knows how to get guys on the field, one thing that's imperative is you need to keep Josh Allen on the field with a re-signed Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell. There should be no way that those guys don't play 80% of the snaps together unless they're resting. Uh, they have to be on the field. They're your three best players. But I do think that also would give them a chance to figure out a way to use Miles Jack a little bit better because he's not a true Mike linebacker signal caller, but he could play that uh, position next to that linebacker, which... In some three fours, it's, it's it's still called a will or weak side linebacker, but in some it's just called an inside linebacker. So uh, I, I do believe that making a switch is going to really really help them. And I think Todd Washer, you know, it's gotten a little bit stale, and he, he's shown that there's nothing he's going to do to make adjustments. So his system is what it is. Maybe he needs to just be coaching better players, but it is what it is at this point. Full men shoe delivery service. Yep try to find this at it's at is it so delver i believe what's the probability of any coaching replacements especially where it's desperately needed um just kind of touched over that a little bit uh the, the highest probability i believe is on the defensive side of the ball i believe they're good at wide receiver they're good at special teams i think they're going to be um inclined to to try to keep the offense the same, just trying to improve the offensive line as well as um, after improving the offensive line, I think what they're going to try to do is um, uh, add some more playmakers at receiver and tight end and running back and make themselves a little bit more dynamic and fast in order to be able to, uh, in order to be able to move forward. Um, I want to touch on this Johnny Ngakwe situation really quick because I'm hearing a lot of numbers float around that don't make uh, any sense. And I'll give you an idea, uh, since we've gone through all of our questions, I'll give you an idea why I feel this way. So Yannick Ngakwe apparently was offered somewhere in the neighborhood of a four-year, between 72 and $76 million contract prior to training camp last year with anywhere between uh, 48 and $52 million guaranteed. He turned it down. Uh, when I spoke with people off the record, off the record, people that would be in the know, they said that uh, the, the reason why the number was so low is that they were assuming all the risk because what if he gets hurt? When I tried to compare it to other guys who had signed contracts like Frank Clark, and Demarcus Lawrence. Now, I'll mention this to you. Demarcus Lawrence got a five-year, $105 million deal, and Demarcus Lawrence uh, has been suspended for uh, use of drugs. Um, Frank Clark evidently was kicked out of Michigan and had some issues that dropped him to the second round. Not only did he get a five-year, $105 million deal from Kansas City, Kansas City traded a first-round pick 
a second round pick and swap third round picks with Seattle. Yeah, you heard me. I hope you did. They gave him a first, gave him a second, and they swapped third round picks. Now, Kansas City had received the first round pick for the franchise tag D Ford, who signed a bad deal, according to my friend Joe Corey, who was on our podcast earlier this year. So let me say, you got two prospects that aren't as clean, that are arguably, one of them arguably is, is as good. The other one isn't close to being as good as John. Jan received an offer of 474 for 72, 76, around 18 million a year last year in the summer. And, the, and I was told the reason why the offer was so low is because the team was assuming all of the risk. He gambled on himself and he won. And now there's actually suggestions out there that Jan's going to accept or someone should offer him a four-year deal with $30 million signing bonus, $50 million, $76 million, $18 million a year. Are you kidding me? doesn't work that way. Um, Trey Flowers, five years, $90 million to leave New England to go to Detroit with $56 million, I believe, guaranteed. And Trey Flowers isn't even in the same stratosphere of a player like Yannick Ngakwe. So this isn't about whether the Jaguars want to set precedence or whether you want to be the team that doesn't set precedence of make. And this isn't about whether you think he deserves to be the highest paid player. Kirk Cousins never deserved to be the highest paid quarterback. He was the guy who was a free agent at the time. Jimmy Garoppolo had never done anything to deserve to be one of the three or four highest paid quarterbacks. He was just the guy who was a free agent at the time. Yannick Ngakwe may or may not deserve, based on what I just said, to be the highest paid defensive end in the league. But he's the guy that's free right now, and there are guys that have gotten money that he is arguably and, and probably obviously better than at least two of them. So, no. No, you don't get a discount. You don't get the market has been set, and now he's going to reset the market because he's doing it a year later. Those people that said that uh, Lawrence and, and, uh, and Clark were free agents, and that's why they got their money, well, guess what happened? He bet on himself, and he got the free agency. Now you have to pay him. We really need to stop making these excuses for giving this guy market value. Market value isn't what you think he's worth. Market value is what the market says he's worth. And if you look at what the market is and has been, and you add in the fact that you're going to get another bump in the salary cap this year, you add in the fact that we're getting very close to an uncapped year in a new CBA, you'd be foolish to think that Yannick Ngakwe needs to sign for anything less than $21 million a year. I wouldn't even answer the phone if it's not a $20 million offer per year. I don't even answer the phone. He gambled on himself, and he's won. He's a leader. He's a clean prospect. You know what he is. If you keep saying he's not worth it, then do what Seattle did. Trade him. Seattle said, okay, no, we, we love Clowney, but he doesn't get enough sacks. I mean, I'm not Seattle, Houston. I didn't agree with it, but at least they, hey, that's, that's what they, this is what we're going to do. We're going to trade him. There you go. Take him. Give us a first-round pick, and we'll use that ammunition to, to get other things, but we're not going to pay him that money. Houston decided to either take a leak or get out the pot. And the Jaguars need to do the same thing, and their fan base needs to be prepared that they should do the same thing.